0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Chaotic Sports Podcast. I'm your host and content creator, Patrick Brown, and tonight's episode. Let's just say, if you thought part one was pretty dark and chaotic intense, and tonight is a continuation, simply titled, Chaotic Dreams and Nightmares Continued. Tonight's show, we have the first ever breaking news segment as I was preparing to record tonight's show. More on that momentarily. We've got... KD staying in Brooklyn, what that means for him and this organization moving forward. Patrick Beverly traded to the Los Angeles Lakers. I like the move, but I'm going to give you a little bit of insight of why I think the relationship between him and Russ will have to be put to the side if needed in order for a bigger goal ahead of you know trying to compete for a championship. Baker Mayfield named week one starter versus his former team, the Cleveland Browns. I'll have a little bit of chaos with that segment. And my beloved Dallas Cowboys defense dominated last night in the preseason finale versus the Seattle Seahawks in which they uh, came back and won 27, 26, I believe I'll give you my input on what I expect from this defense and 2022 season, and finally, the nightmare that seems to be circulating around the NFL that hasn't been put to bed yet is Deshaun Watson, and I will give you my nightmarish thoughts about uh, a disturbing image that I've seen of two Cleveland Browns fans at the at the stadium um, with with some pretty disturbing uh, messages towards the women that I that I don't really like and we'll get to that near the end of the show at first breaking news this was a a developing story I believe maybe Thursday night Friday morning that uh, the Buffalo Bills uh, punter Matt Areza if I hope I said his name right had been accused of uh, a gang rape while he was at uh, San Diego State University, where he went to college at. It was kind of a uh, a little bit of a murky, uh, spur-of-the-moment allegation, but, but as of today, the breaking news, the Bills released him this afternoon now. With that, it was not a surprise that they released him, considering the graphic content of the allegations of gang rape of a of a 17 year old girl on a, at an off-campus uh, party while he was in college. Uh, the graphic details come out today that, you know, the young girl was uh, intoxicated and whatnot and was raped multiple times by uh, Areza and two other uh, teammates who were mentioned in the civil lawsuit which was released uh, yesterday that, that all this surfaced. I believe that this is the move the Buffalo Bills had to make to keep this dark cloud hanging over their franchise in what is could be a Super Bowl run for them. Before I give you my my nightmarish thoughts, I want to say that I do not condone any type of allegations or rape, more or less towards women, and young girls, period. I don't condone it. It's something that I, I'm very... It, it kind of rubs me the wrong way when I hear this stuff and what the NFL's been dealing with right now with Deshaun Watson. The Bills did the right thing. They had to. But on the flip side of that, they knew about it prior to drafting him in the sixth round, and they were kind of hoping... That this wouldn't surface, but as we got closer to their preseason finale and the timing of it, the NFL wasn't going to suspend him since it was a uh, a civil lawsuit and whatnot that took place at San Diego State University, and that was a red flag for me because the NFL, once again, what is your definition of personal conduct policy? What is your definition of it? As we've discussed at length the past several years about this one particular policy. And it showed itself and exposed during this whole Deshaun Watson ordeal. I applaud the Buffalo Bills for doing the right thing. As a proud uncle of a niece, if that had been may have been her. You, you best believe that I'm um, I'm going to the authorities one way or another. I, I don't care anybody says I, I got to do what's right. I'm not going to let that, that girl live with that emotional trauma over her life knowing that, you know, a group of young men did something like that to her. I believe that they should be dealt with. I don't want to hear this notion. Well, boys will be boys. Like, no, they're big enough, old enough to know better. Period. You took advantage of a 17-year-old girl at the time while at an off-campus party but then on the <laughs> and this is what kind of was the, probably the nail in the coffin is that um erasa admitted to the young girl that she needed to go be tested for an std because he had chlamydia now you were in on this whole act and then you go tell this girl to do you know, go get tested and that would make him feel better knowing that she was okay that she didn't contract it. Really? So you just told on yourself. So you're guilty right then and there. I'm telling you, folks, I'm I don't know what I I don't know what what else could go wrong in the NFL. I, I really don't. We can't have a quiet offseason without dumb stuff occurring. And it just happened to be the Buffalo Bills. Now, with the release, the releasing of this of this young man. I don't think he's playing football ever again. I, I think he will likely face some charges and likely jail time. Who knows? I'm not a lawyer or a prosecutor, but uh, my my heart goes out to the young girl right now because it she's the pictures and everything that was released today or within the last 24 hours. Disturbing and the and the graphic nature of which it was described in the articles disgusting my stomach turned when I read it I'm not going to discuss it on my on my show as far as what was said in the article but you're more than welcome to just type in the young man's name and then you'll see the images of the young girl and uh of you know the bruises and whatnot on her neck and the graphic detail of what what was how she was violated by these three grown men at a, at a college party. Man, I'm just what what's what's to do? What what are you gonna do? NFL again? This is the policy that needs to be revised in the next collective bargaining agreement because this this is getting out of hand. And the Buffalo Bills, you did the right thing, and it's a teaching moment once again for players. You should avoid in the draft and do extensive homework in your draft process regardless of position and need or or just picking a player that's going to make a roster. I don't care about how strong his his leg is, and he can punt a ball 82 yards from one end of field to the next. I I don't care about that. The point is, he violated and gang raped a young girl. How would you feel if that was your daughter, your niece, your cousin? How would that make you feel as a man, a father, an uncle, a cousin? How would that make you feel knowing that some something like that happened to them i'm I'm pretty sure you're you feel kind of you feel some type of way the anger and rage that you know a grown man did that to a young girl i i don't know i i just can't the more i think about it 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 makes me cringe it makes it gives me a headache and once again we gotta protect our women at all costs. Even though there's going to be some things we can't control, we got to protect them a little bit more, fellas. Let's step up to the plate, and do our jobs, and protect these protect women. I I don't want to sound like I'm you know, bat, uh, pounding my hand on my desk, but I'm I'm tired of reading stuff like this. I'm tired of it. I don't, I don't know how much more of it I can take because the emotional and psychological barriers that that young girl is going to have to To deal with through the rest of her life, it brings insecurity and trust issues, and not only that, she's gonna fear that it's gonna happen to her again. So, now that we got the breaking news out of the way, let's try to transition into another nightmare this week. Kevin Durant is going back to Brooklyn. Not that that's a shocker nor surprise. Because Joe Tsai, the team governor of the Nets and the organization, they agreed to move on with their partnership. What does this mean, Kevin Durant? Well, after a year from now, we'll, we're probably having the same discussion again because something along the way this coming season is going to derail everything. Now, what's what's going to happen first? Kyrie's PTO. Steve Nash just coaching for his job. I I say he is injuries and of course roster changes that that kind of plays into derailing a season. And what's where's Biz Simmons' mindset at right now with you know trying to play basketball. As far as Kevin Durant and the Nets go, <sighs> I'm I'm curious, Brooklyn Nets fans. What's the reception gonna be like for Kevin Durant on opening night? I mean, he kind of like held y'all hostage for the organization, hostage for like a month and a half from June thirtieth, and this is what August twenty seventh. Yeah, he he held y'all hostage for nearly two months and and not get anywhere. The reason why? Name me a team that was on his preference was gonna give up draft depth and. Uh, Draft to give up players and uh picks for four years of Kevin Durant, which we all know he, he if something's not going his way, he has a has a tendency to get on his burner accounts and take shots at the media and other players around the league whenever things aren't going good. This is gonna be an ongoing issue because that's all we're gonna talk about with the Brooklyn Nets, regardless of how many. Points he scores, or whether they win or lose, this is still going to linger over the Nets organization from the start of the season until it ends, probably sometime in early and mid-April when they're uh, likely out in maybe the first round if they can survive and get to the, the second round, depending on the favorable matchup that they can get. And looking at the KD's emotions. He's not happy. Somewhere down the line, this this issue stems bigger than than basketball somewhere because we all know KD's very thin-skinned, and he doesn't handle destructive criticism that well. And I may have a feeling or a chaotic thought that it started in Oklahoma City, whenever. Uh, the Thunder, you know, the baby Thunder had went to. Uh, they were building their team and adding guys. You know, they were drafting really well, and you know, KD was, you know, was, you know, a part of the Seattle Supersonics franchise before they re- relocated to Oklahoma City. Um, they drafted James Harden and Russell Westbrook. You know, the Diamond and Rough that nobody really, you know, talked about in that particular draft class because. All we heard about was Blake Griffin and some of the other, you know, prominent players. You know, Steph Curry was in that same draft class, if I'm not mistaken, in 2009. But I I have a feeling that I, I believe when the Thunder lost in the, I want to say the 2012 finals, whenever they went for the first time and went up against LeBron's Heat and KD was, you know, Hadn't really scratched the surface yet, but we, we saw the skill set displayed every night. And him and Russ and James Harden, I mean, like if the Thunder could stay together for at least three or four years, they have a, they had a legitimate shot to come out of the West. But during that time, uh, the Lakers kind of stood in their way, and the well-oiled machine, as known as the San Antonio Spurs, they were still going to the NBA Finals almost like every other year. Uh, the Phoenix Suns were still good at that point in time, and and Kevin Durant was, you know, trying to make a name for herself and just being that silky smooth shooter that he is just, just making it look effort, effortlessly. But I believe when they lost in the finals that year, and from that moment on, I, I think Kevin Durant felt a sense of unhappiness, like he wasn't fulfilled being in Oklahoma City. He was the man. They loved Kevin Durant, but in on the and within the organization, I don't think it was the same thing. They talked how much they loved Kevin Durant and wanted him to be a part of their future. I I want to believe maybe the organization thought more of Russ than they did KD because his Russ and KD were like polar opposite players, Russ was a hybrid player, and Kevin Durant was just, he just wanted to hoop, you know, he always says he wants to hoop, but case in point, I think whenever they lost in the Western Conference Finals in 2016, that was the tipping point for Kevin Durant and his uh, emotional, psychological issues where it was like, "I I can't win here, I want to stay here, but, you know, I don't want to be known as a player that didn't win a championship, as great as I am. So, you know, leaving Oklahoma City and and joining Golden State and, you know, win, go to finals three three year, three straight years, winning two of them. And I've heard Kevin Durant say on numerous occasions that if he had a chance to go and do that all over again, leave go uh, Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma City, he would. So there's a little bit of maybe some animosity towards the fans of some degree, but I I really don't know. I just from what I can see and what's been said over uh over the last few years about Kevin Durant. It, I mean he's not happy. He, regardless of where he goes, he's not happy. The only time he was happy was in Golden State until the fallout with Draymond Green and you know that the 2019 season. You know which Draymond called him the B word and. That was the end of that. The, the, the tumultuous season that the Warriors had, they had kept that under wraps. Shockingly, they was able to keep that under wraps until the dust settled and whatnot. But I just want to say that this move right here still says that LeBron James is the most powerful basketball player right now. LeBron still holds that title. Because... You can look at Kevin Durant. He thought he can get that same type of power, but he didn't. The Brooklyn Nets stood 10 toes down and said, no, we're not trading you. There is no way Joe Tsai was going to give up four years, $200 million, that Kevin Durant committed to and sending him to a team that was going to put them in uh, the overwhelming favor to win it all. Now, if you look at the Eastern Conference The Nets are not better than the Bucks, Celtics, Miami Heat, Sixers, to a degree, and the Nets are like in the thick of it. They would have to really have a come to Jesus meeting before the season starts, opening night, and Kevin Durant needs to apologize to his teammates, net in the Nets organization, and be on his best behavior. But as I said and stated. Kyrie's PTO is bound to happen sometime during the season. Injuries and, you know, this this is gonna linger. That it's gonna hang over the Nets organization for eighty two games and then some. The only way that it's it goes away if Kevin Durant, you know, delivers a championship to Brooklyn, which is gonna be very difficult to do in a very tight Eastern conference where my my oh, my pick right now would be the Bucks and the Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I would take the Bucks in that series due to the fact that I think that the Bucks are on a on a kind of like a, a revenge tour this year. Do the Celtics do they have a little bit of a hangover by losing in the finals? There's a whole lot of questions about the Eastern Conference and very little answers about the Brooklyn Nets in general. So. We're we're going to see how this plays out on opening night, which is uh, in October. So we'll we'll see. Moving on to another another nightmare. My my adopted Lakers acquired Pat Bev Beverly from the Utah Jazz by sending THT and Stanley Johnson to Utah. Okay, a little a little backstory. Pat Beverly and Russell Westbrook have history. This stems back to uh twenty thirteen during the, the playoffs when uh Pat Bev darted into uh Russ's knee as he's going to the sideline, getting past the half court line to call a timeout, and Pat Bev, you know, dove right into you know Russ's knee and he tore his ACL that in that game and Missed the entire uh, the rest of the season into I think he didn't play till 2015 I believe so the those two have history it's been a, a decade long feud and I think the I think the Lakers are are pretty much trying to push Russ out the door but 47 million dollars is going to be difficult to push out the door at this point because. There's no team that's really shown any interest. I keep hearing the Indiana Pacers trying to swing a trade for Russ, but I, I, I don't know at this point. I, I think for the sake of argument, they're going to have to keep Russ, as you know, everybody's pretty much been saying. Him and Pat Bev are going to put their differences aside because if the goal is to win a championship, those two have to be on their best behavior. I love the move that the Lakers made as far as a basketball decision as an enforcer. With Bev coming off the bench, along with him being a solid spark for the second unit. And this is what this team needs that they didn't have the last two years. As an enforcer. Someone that's going to get dirty. Go do the dirty work. But keep it within confinements of the rules and not, not put anyone in harm's way. Which has been the case for Patrick Beverly throughout his career. He's had to fight his way into the league. And. He's self made and I mean he wasn't really touted coming out of, you know, out of high school and you know, I think he went to college in Arkansas, if I'm not mistaken. He's had to play overseas and clawed his way into a uh an NBA roster and he's made a name for himself by just being a, that that pest on your on a on a team that when you see him play, he's like, uh, you don't want to deal with them, but you 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 have to love what he brings because he's going to get inside of your best player's head one way or another, and that's what I believe he can do. We, The Lakers, we need something that's going to give this team a spark because I'm I'm not so sure that, you know, we can make a deep run. I mean, LeBron's going into year 20. I mean, he's probably going to play 60, 65 games. Can Anthony Davis give me 60 games? I don't know. He's been dinged up, and he needs to man up, and and it's time to put up. Anthony Davis, it's time for you to put up. The, LeBron brought you there to help him win championships, and you've only had one good year because you've been banged up the last three years, if I'm not mistaken, since that title run in 2020 in the bubble. So, I, I don't know. what I, I like the move, but... What's what's the reception going to be for Russ? What's going on inside his head right now is what I would, I would like to know. But that's another topic as we get closer to the start of the NBA season. Moving on to football, another nightmarish player that has been a thorn in my side since his days at Oklahoma, Baker Mayfield, was named the week one starter for the Carolina Panthers. As you know, Baker was traded to Carolina mid during the middle of the off season, you know, after the falling out with him and the organization after Deshaun Watson trade and pretty much telling Baker they wanted a daughter quarterback and not a child. Carolina's not much well better than Cleveland. I mean, they've they've got a coach who's basically um Coaching for his job at Matt Rule and and Sam Darnold went down with a an ankle injury last night. I don't know how the don't know what the severity of of the injury is, but Carolina, for what it's worth, th- this is a team that could maybe win seven eight games in a, in the NFC South. I mean, they're at a disadvantage at quarterback, you know, against teams that they play on their schedule this year. I. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you want me to say about Baker because since he's been in the league, he's I've always viewed him as a kind of a cocky, arrogant quarterback, and you know, what a that's just got a chip on his shoulder and that chip on his shoulder in a bad way because he was a walk on in Texas Tech and then he left Texas Tech and went to Oklahoma and won the Heisman. Maybe it's just me, but what is it with Oklahoma quarterbacks that Kind of have this this arrogance about him. I I don't know. I need someone to explain that to me about their about that situation. Cause I I from what I can see it, it's always something. The quarterback has always been the most arrogant individual uh, at Oklahoma outside of uh, Jalen Hurts when he played there for that one season and Kyler Murray. But it's just something about OU quarterbacks that. I see them and I I don't. That's not enough. Something that's gonna wow me whenever I watch them. So back to Baker Mayfield. Is this his opportunity to secure a a new contract with Carolina next season? They've got some solid pieces, DJ Moore and and Robbie Anderson and and Christian McCaffrey, but you haven't seen him on the field the last couple seasons. So I don't know what. What he's gonna be able to bring to the table to help Baker out but what I have seen out of Baker is i mean he looks looks good, got a little bit of velocity on his throws and and i I mean I wish him the best, but he's he's pretty much gonna to have to put this team in in winning in game winning positions in order to at least come out on top but in a division where you have to play Tom Brady twice, you're gonna lose both of those games. Um, New Orleans, you lose because Jameis Winston is better than Baker Mayfield, and then you got Atlanta, which they they can probably win one if not both of those games. So that's what two and four in the NFC South, and then their their schedule. I'm I'm going to go out and limb and say seven and ten, maybe seven and ten at best. I mean eight and nine if they're lucky to get a a game where they can just. Upset somebody near the end of the season. That's you know fighting for a playoff spot. So best of luck to Baker and Carolina. I don't know. Should I say I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry because it's not a team that I'm really excited about. That hasn't been much of anything since 2015 when they went to the Super Bowl with Cam Newton and lost. I don't know. I'm just glad to be. I don't. We don't play them as a as a Cowboys fan. I'm, I'm glad we don't have to play the Panthers. Oh wait, I will because uh, we we would probably beat Carolina with Baker Mayfoot as a starter because the Cowboys are equivalently better than the Carolina Panthers right now on both sides of the ball. Speaking of the Dallas Cowboys, the defense dominated last night in the preseason finale against the Seattle Seahawks. Four takeaways, and they picked up where they left off. Ladies and gentlemen, I love what I saw from the defense last night because, to me, that's going to be the strength of this team this year. In all honesty, if truth be told, led by second-year linebacker, the lion backer Micah Parsons, eleven from heaven. Even though he didn't play much during the preseason, well, everybody knows what Michael, uh Micah can do. Micah is a generational talent, and uh, I'm, I'm glad that my Cowboys got him, but last night was about the defense, the guys, you know, that are trying to make the roster at this point, going into the, the roster cuts in the week, another two weeks. Um, I like what I saw from uh, Deshaun Wright, uh, Izzy, uh, Marquise uh, Ball had a, an interception last night, and then Sam Williams looks like he's going to be a great, Edge rusher, you know, with this rotation that Dan Quinn can, you know, he can put together. He can rotate guys in and out and keep those legs fresh. This is similar to what DQ did in Seattle with the defense. You get the pressure up front, your back is going to be in position to make plays on the ball. And I love it. I believe that we can lead the league in takeaways and sacks. This year, I'm going out of limb. Takeaways and sacks. The Cowboys will be in those two categories this year. I don't know about points uh, points allowed on defense and yardage, but we'll, we'll we'll find out. But even though it's just preseason, it was the finale. Uh, the defense is the strength of this team. Uh, I'm just going to say it right now: the defense and then the special teams with Devontae uh, Turpin, you know, being the kickoff. Uh, specialist in in the punt returner. I, I like what he was is capable of doing, and I believe those two uh, portions of the team will be what gets us into the postseason and hopefully beyond. I'm a little worried about the offense because Tyron Smith had a very very bad injury earlier in the in the week in and practicing tore the ligament off of his knee that was connected to his hamstring. It was a severe hamstring. It was like a complete tear away from the bone on the knee. Now, you got a $40 million quarterback, Dak Prescott, and Ezekiel Elliott is still the focal point of this offense. We go as he goes. How are you going to run the football with Ezekiel Elliott and a banged-up offensive line that's been dinged the last, might as well say, four years since 2018 or so. Tyron Smith is, I wouldn't say he's washed, but the injuries are have piled up on him since 2017. Josh Ball is not an answer at, at left tackle. Cowboys Nation, he's not an answer at left tackle. Moving Terrence Steele to the play left tackle is not ideal either because now you have to Put one of those guys next to Zach, and Zach will have to be assisting the, the right tackle if you're going to run the ball in that direction. You've got Tyler Smith, who likely is going to start at left guard. And and what did the Cowboys do? Was what, what was their worst? What was their kryptonite last season? Penalties. That was the the, the that was the, the offensive penalties was the the Cowboys kryptonite last year, and why. This team did not go real far, and old habits that didn't get broke during the the uh, offseason caught up with them. And we saw that a few weeks ago in the preseason game against Denver. But I, I'm going to let the defense have their have their shining moment because Dan Quinn, ladies and gentlemen, is I, – I hope he's there for the long haul. I, I really do. I, I'm a fan of his, you know, what he did in Seattle with the Legion of Boom. I'm not saying that the Cowboys' defense this year is Legion of Boom Part Two, but to see these guys just flying all over the field and collapsing the pocket and getting after you know Drew Locke and picking him off, you know, if the defense can do this and put the offense in shorter field positions, it makes Dak Prescott's job a lot easier. The point of emphasis and the key point indicator is Kellen Moore has to do his job of calling the right plays. It's C D or Bust this year on offense in the receiving court because James Washington's out till probably week ten or eleven. It sounds like Jerry's wanting Michael Gallup to come back opening night from you know the ACL tear and he's looking pretty good. But one thing I despise and still despise as a Cowboys fan, Jerry is not a team physician or doctor. Let's let's just get that out the way. Anything he says about a player far as their injury goes, it, it's just best to leave that alone. Leave that to the doctors to say that and team positions, not Jerry Jones. Oh man. I tell you what, getting down to the final the final nightmare of the of the night. Um I'm almost this is very, very tense for me because it's it's disgusting. So, there was a couple of Cleveland Browns fans at the at the game this week. I don't know if it was, a, I believe it was a home game. And there was a father and his young son that was holding signs. The father had on the Sean Watson jersey, I believe. And he had a sign. If you can go back and look. I'll, I'll paraphrase it for a bit. You can see the, uh, the visual that I'm giving you. Trick, then bleeps, is what the father's sign said, and then his son's sign said, Free Watson. Now, everything that's happened, and all the backlash, and we're not out of the loop with this story yet. We know he's suspended for 11 games. This is a bad look for this father and his son. Now, the father had, is showing no empathy or self-awareness to the situation with Deshaun Watson. This is horrible. I don't care where this man come up with the right frame of mind to say, we don't believe these women. We want Deshaun to play football. Well, that tells me right there, you have no respect towards women. I'm just going to say it. That, that That was lack of empathy. You show no remorse, and it sounds to me, and you're pretending it to be, you condone predatorial behavior. Now, you have a wife, and you have maybe a daughter or two. How do you think that made them feel? you went to that game and had that son and you uh, went to that game and you drug your son there to hold the continuation of that said free Watson. That little boy probably went to school and all of his classmates looked at him differently after seeing that sign. All the girl, little girls in that classroom was probably looking at him like, "Do you not know that, you know, Deshaun Watson is, you know, is is what he done is very very bad, and the little boy probably probably doesn't know any better. But in this particular moment, the father knew better. He's big enough and old enough to know better. Why would you do that? Why would you pretty much slap the women in the face with that? No pun intended. It was it was a it was a kick to the gut for them because it it pretty much just says you don't care about. The women, you care more about the athlete and what he can do for your team. There again, tone-deaf situations. You just, if that, if, I don't know. I, I'm i almost sick and tired of the Cleveland Browns. It's, it's, if it ain't one thing, it's another with them. And then there was another fan who had on a, a T-shirt. And it said, you can figure out this trick. I want a massage. Really? Again, lack of empathy, lack of self-awareness. Why? Why are you ignoring the fact of what Deshaun did to these women, Cleveland Browns fans? Really? You're still ignoring it? All you care about is the player. Again, what if that was your daughter, your niece, your wife, your cousin, a close female acquaintance? How would you feel if that was them in that situation? Would you be wearing the t-shirt? Would you have the signs? This is a representation. This the Cleveland Browns are condoning this behavior, plain and simple. The fans know better. They do, but they they want their few seconds of 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 shame just so they can make the the, the news and be on the sports segments and put in their two cents like the suspension hasn't even it hasn't even settled yet, and we're we're still talking about it. Sadly, I hope that this is the last time I have to talk about it because I know we're not going to talk about it again until Deshaun plays his regular season game against his former team, the Houston Texans. Ah, oh, Jesus, this is, ladies and gentlemen, chaotic, chaotic dreams and nightmares continued. Um. I'm spent for the night. I know this is almost a we're pushing almost 40 minutes, and I'm I'm out of words. I I can't think of anything else to talk about. I've got I'm already prepping for next week as the the new uh, as the week comes to an end. Well, I'll start fresh on Monday and and start getting my topics together for next weekend show. And I'd like to thank you all. For taking time out of your day, evening, night to listen to the podcast. I hope that it is my my intent that you all get something out of it because I my podcast is just it's 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 cooking. I've got some other stuff that I'm working on and I just you don't want to you don't want to miss out on it. Um I'm already I've got episodes in mind. I've already got my my uh, titles for different episodes, depending on what happens in the week of sports, I'm several weeks ahead, months ahead. I'm already getting ready for the, uh, the NBA portion of the podcast whenever we get to October. And by that time, uh, the NFL will be really, really going by then because we'll we'll get into that mid-season push where you start kind of trying to figure out the, the playoff seedings and whatnot. and you know, each division and whatnot, trade deadline, uh, NBA opening night, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, I'll, I've got something in mind for uh, the NBA, for our NBA uh, topic segment, per se, and uh, Major League Baseball, we still got a little bit of games left to play, uh, my Cardinals took an L to the Braves last night, but, you know, the, the Brewers lost to the Dodgers, so that, that that's a good thing, so. I'm a uh, I'm spent for the night, ladies and gentlemen. That is all of the chaos that I have for tonight. Thank you for taking time to listen. I greatly appreciate it. Please feel free to subscribe to the podcast on Anchor and on Spotify. I love this, ladies and gentlemen. I I love this podcast stuff. I'm starting to find my voice in the midst of being an online college student for full sell and just interacting with my classmates and uh, shout out to my abrupt, my abrupt, my cop, my, excuse me, my podcast brothers over at the grid. I love you guys. I, I hope, you know, we can put together some stuff and do a collaborative project in the coming weeks with the NFL season rolling around. But you guys know, know all of you, uh, you know who you are. If I start naming individuals, I'll forget. So I'll just say all my uh, brothers over at the grid. But, uh, okay, I'm, I'm done for the night. That is all, and I mean all of the chaos for tonight. Please stay safe, stay hydrated, and check on your loved ones. Make sure your mental health is good, your emotional health, and your spiritual health is good. I'm Patrick Brown signing off for the night. I'm out. Peace out. Stay chaotic. Good night.